Hello, this is episode 262 and in it I'm speaking with Melanie Lupus from Sustainability Certified. Now Melanie is a NatHERS accredited assessor, a passive house certified consultant and a residential scorecard accredited assessor. She owns her own business, Sustainability Certified, and is passionate about helping homeowners and designers achieve more sustainable, energy efficient and thermally comfortable outcomes in their designs and their finished homes. In this episode, Melanie talks with us about the Residential Efficiency Scorecard Assessment Process or Scorecard as it's known and her work as a Residential Scorecard Accredited Assessor. What is Scorecard? Well, Scorecard is a national energy efficiency rating program for existing homes, the first of its kind in Australia. And Scorecard rates your home's efficiency and comfort. Getting a Scorecard rating from a government accredited assessor will help you make the best choices by providing targeted information to ensure that any money you spend on upgrades will lead to cheaper to run, more comfortable homes. The rating is like an energy star rating that you'd see on a dishwasher or a washing machine. So the more stars, the cheaper the home is to run. And the scorecard assessment reviews the building shell, including glazing, insulation, building materials, air leakage. And then it also examines your appliances, your heating and cooling systems, your hot water heating, any pool equipment and solar panels. So if you're wanting to improve your existing home, either before you renovate or as part of your renovation, which I know loads of you in the undercover architect community do want to do this, and you're keen to access more information about what to focus on specifically and how to go about it, then this episode is going to be super helpful for you. If you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode, plus information on the resources that we discuss, I've got all of the links and all of that information. uh, And you can grab that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 262. That's the numbers 262. Now, let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to Elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers, and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses, and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building, and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take and the best way to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. 
Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. Before we jump into my conversation with Melanie, let me tell you a little bit more about her. So Mel is an environmental enthusiast, a nature lover and a mum. She works as a home energy efficiency and sustainability consultant and she heads up her own company, Sustainability Certified Proprietary Limited. Her mission statement is to demystify the challenges of sustainable building and make it accessible and desirable to mainstream homeowners and designers. Mel has a Bachelor of Science Honours majoring in Environmental Studies and as I mentioned in the intro, she's a NATO's accredited assessor, a Passive House Certified Consultant and a resident residential scorecard accredited assessor. So she wears lots of different hats. She's trained in Burrs Pro, First Rate 5 and Hero software packages as well. And she balances her field work with office-based advice and modelling for residential architects and designers. Her unique perspective on home energy efficiency and thermal comfort derives from the combination of her science background, her first-hand experience in assessing current and outdated building stock, and the design work reviews that she does for future builds. Now, Mel has a wealth of knowledge to share about the work that she does to help homeowners and designers in their existing homes and for those planning renovations and new builds. I am, I'm really looking forward to being able to share Mel with you and I think you're going to learn a lot. Now, remember that you can also download a free PDF transcript of this episode and I've got all of the links to the resources that we mentioned. You can grab that by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 262. Well, Mel, I am super excited to have you here. I said before I jumped on that I've just been really looking forward to being able to introduce you to the Undercover Architect community, share with them more about what you do and how you help, um, because I know that your the role that you play in a project team uh, and in the process of getting a renovation or a new build done can be so critical to ensuring that a homeowner is optimizing what is possible for them, that they're really getting the most out of their design, out of their construction, and really creating that fantastic uh, end product that is a fantastic home to live in. But before we dive into talking all about that, uh, can I just ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you actually came to be doing the work that you're doing? Because I know you, I mean, you've got lots of different feathers in your cap. Yes, I do, I guess. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Um, yes, yeah, so I studied environmental science at uni and then I worked at Bankstown Council um, and I got to work on a project called Cities for Climate Protection, which was in those days, this is the late 90s, um, people hadn't really heard of, of what a greenhouse gas emission was. So it was a really interesting time because I had to educate on that so we've come a long way when you think about that so then I've got four children that sort of ate into my time for work that's <laughs> a way to put it yeah so, um, I went to work for family business in construction industry for eight years and then my girls were looking to study environmental science at uni they were finishing up their HSC and I was looking at the course and was like oh how did I stray so far from what I love and so I decided to retrain, but sort of combine the two things of energy efficiency that I worked in with Bankstown Council and the construction industry. So I went and did my Cert 4 in home energy efficiency and sustainability. And um, yeah, that was the sort of start of it and uh, became an Adders assessor. And then, as you probably know, I also did my passive house course and my residential scorecard course. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's the thing. When I looked at, uh, and you know, your bio and the intro of all of the different certifications and training that you do have, you've got this great wealth of knowledge and experience that um, can be a huge asset to teams that you're working with. And I love that you've become so sort of almost multidisciplinary in the way of sort of thinking about energy efficiency and the way it applies to homes and obviously um, really passionate about what you're doing. So uh, yeah, it's really awesome. And I love that, <laughs> love that, um, you know, seeing your daughters kind of and, and them exploring their interests triggered that, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's too late for me, but I know we've got lots of, you know, home method members who, because of what they've learned about sustainable design, they're actually looking at career changes and looking at becoming certified as energy performance assessors and, and, and uh, energy efficiency assessors, and even, you know, getting trained in building design and those kinds of things. So it's never too late. And it's awesome that you've been able to, to do this. So now you're, you mentioned that you're a residential scorecard accredited assessor. So can you tell us a bit more about what that means and about the residential scorecard scheme and, and what it means to be accredited as an assessor? Yes, so um, fantastic. I'm so excited that we finally got residential scorecard. Um, prior to this, there, there really wasn't any software tools that, that allowed us to have sort of a quantifiable look at the, the energy use of an existing home. So if you're building a new home, as you know, you've got natters, you've got passive house, uh, even basics, um, that you can use to optimise your design. But existing homes are just they're such a huge piece of the pie uh, in terms of trying to improve their energy efficiency. And as an assessor, like I'm constantly asked by existing homeowners, what can I do? Um, and sure, I can give them advice, but prior to the software tool being developed, it wasn't quantifiable. So um, luckily, uh, the Victorian government came up with a residential scorecard, efficiency scorecard. And it's an online software tool where and, and a whole network of accredited assessors. So somebody can come out to your existing home. Doesn't matter if you've got plans or not, because we'll come in, measure up, look at a lot of the different things in the house, the construction, the insulation, the type of windows. And we also look at all the appliances. So I kind of like to explain it as like natters and whole of home put together but simplified matters um, and for existing homes. So it's, yeah, it's a fantastic um, program and the assessors are growing nationally. Um, it's been now endorsed by all of the state governments and further developed. So fantastic. Hopefully uh, moving forward, no matter where you are in Australia, what climate zone, you'll be able to have an assessor come out to your house. Yeah, this really excites me because I know in speaking with a lot of homeowners who are planning a renovation, oftentimes the first thing that they're wanting to do is to improve the performance of their existing home because they're sick of living in a place that's cold during winter, you know, hot during summer, requires a lot of artificial heating and cooling, or it's incredibly drafty or those types of things. So that they can actually tap into something that is data driven that gives them some data feedback and that can be done by an accredited assessor so that you know that it's reliable information is really really exciting so now in terms of that that actual assessment process um and the way that it goes um uh, i i'm really curious if you can sort of take us through the detail of sort of arriving at a, at a person's house and the kinds mm -hmm. of things that you look at and the process that you go through to do that assessment because it's quite involved isn't it 
Yes, it is. And, and because you're entering somebody's private space, you have to be aware of that. The added advantage of um, entering an existing home to do an assessment is that you've got the feedback from the homeowner. So they can say to me, look, this room's freezing. I can't sit in here in winter or this room's boiling. So you can use that knowledge as you're walking around. So the first thing we do, we arrive, we have a bit of a chat about the process um, and then get up into the ceiling space um, to have a look at the, if they've got insulation. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Uh, looking for gaps in insulation, uh, getting under the floor if there is an underfloor to look for what insulation they've got there. Uh, walls are a bit trickier, so sometimes we have to take a guesstimate based on the age. Um, unless the homeowners have got some knowledge in that space. Um, we go around and have a look at all the appliances and I take photos of all the, um, the labels on the appliances so that I can check the star ratings of each of those appliances. Um, and measure up rooms. So we've got room sizes, window sizes. We're looking at the window coverings, both inside and outside, because obviously that's heat loss with your window coverings or heat gain if you haven't got any shading, particularly on east-west. Um, and so then as I'm going around, I've got an iPad and the tool is an online tool. So all of the data is being entered uh, in as I'm going around. Uh, we're looking for air leakage spots. So, and we calculate that out even in centimetres squared. So it's quite in-depth. We're looking at the lighting, uh, particularly if it's halogen versus LED and air leakage in that respect. Um, and then so by the time I finish entering all the data going around the house, I've got, I can, I can produce a preview certificate from the online tool. And that gives us straight away an indication whilst I'm on site to be able to have a chat with the homeowner and, and be able to sort of explain through what the recommendations are because the, the online tool is very smart in the background. It's calculating what are your top three recommendations. So it, it produces those recommendations in terms of, so you get a star rating, which is um, to do with the, the cost to run the house. So that's sort of similar to the star rating that you would get on like a dishwasher or washing machine, that's sort of saying that this house reaches this many stars, it will cost this much to run essentially. Um, it also gets a thermal comfort rating, so a hot weather comfort rating and a cold weather comfort rating. And that's more to do with the building shell. So we're sort of looking at what can we do to improve there? So it might be window coverings, more insulation in the ceiling, that sort of stuff. Um, and then in terms of the appliances, we're looking at hot water as well, so and, and we calculate out the uh, litre usage of the showers. So there'll be some recommendations to do with each of the appliances. If you're you've got an old air conditioner, it's not very efficient. It might the recommendation might be to upgrade that. Now, it, it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to race out and go and buy an air conditioner tomorrow. The idea is that once you've got the knowledge that when your hot water heater goes, for instance and you know your family's going to kill you, your maximum you've got is about three days on a hot water heater before everyone's <laughs> going to come at you. So if you've done the research prior to, and we often obviously recommend heat pump, um, if you've got an electric storage, it's a really big difference in the energy use if you go to a heat pump. 
So if you've done that research before, you know about what rebates are available, you know about the cost, you've been able to put aside a little bit of money so that when it goes, the plumber doesn't come out and say, I'm just going to replace it like for like. And then there's a lost opportunity for another 10 years. So the report's really handy because you've got all this information and you don't have to act on it straight away. You can make your own decisions about what you want to do. Um, depending on the assessor, they can also run some variations if you want them to. Um, so if they say, well, what would my star rating be if I increase the insulation in the ceiling? So I can run a variation on the assessment to see the impact of that. And that way we can sort of prioritise what um, things that you want to do first, what things are more expensive than others, and, and you kind of get it in the pipeline, I guess. Sorry, that was a long answer. <laughs> no, no, that was fantastic. And I think it's... Um... What I, what I love about it is it is translating what is available in new home construction into an existing home environment. And it's giving people that opportunity to figure out what their priorities are going to be. So, you know, uh, so that, that once you've then collected all of that information and potentially, um, you know, sat with a, a homeowner who said, oh, look, okay, can you just quickly run what would happen if we did have proper insulation bats in the ceiling or if we changed all of this lighting to um, LED or if we, you know, um, improve the air tightness and those kinds of things. How, what, what, do, what then gets produced when you go back to the office and you, you then um, come, get back in touch with the, the client after you've done that scorecard assessment on site? Yeah, so when we go back to the office, because it's government-based, it's there's a lot of um, checks and balances, I guess. Uh, we have to upload the photos that we've taken um, from site as evidence because um, they're trying to make sure, obviously, that, that there's sort of no loopholes here, <laughs> I guess. Um, and then we normally would run checks to make sure that we've got the star ratings right on all the appliances. So sometimes there's a bit of research in that. Um, and then I would run variations and I send it as a report um, back to the customer. They also get the final certificate of the scorecard um, delivered to them. And then if they've got any questions, they're welcome to give me a call. Um, one of the things that I find is a bit tricky for people is like you might find a situation where the, it's coming up as insulation needs to be replaced as, as highest priority because it's going to have the best bang for your buck. But I can see that they've got halogen lights, right? So the difficulty is if you go to put the, the insulation up there, the halogens are going to be in the way. You're going to have huge gaps. And as I know, I've heard you speak about before, and you know, um, just a 5% gap in insulation is a 50% drop in, in um, its effectiveness. So if you've got an R4 bat up there, wonderful, but it's back to R2 straight away. And then often when I get up in the ceiling spaces, it's a lot more than just 5%. It's, it's quite large. And so I might prioritise it in that way and say, well, look, do your halogens first, change those to LED, make sure you get an IC4 rated LED, and then you can just have a beautiful blanket of continuous insulation above the ceiling. So I guess in that way it's good to have that uh, assessor feedback and it's not just okay, this is the best thing for you coming from a computer because you've got a little bit of both, the knowledge of the assessor and they're on site having a chat with you and, yeah, as well as the, the database information coming out of the, the scorecard. 
Oh, I think that's really great. And I think the fact that the feedback can be tailored and nuanced as well for your personal inspection of that home and seeing, you know, what the big ticket items might be. I, uh, the Australian Institute of Architects had a uh, session on yesterday for members where Michael Ambrose from the CSIRO was on talking about the upcoming changes to the National Construction Code and, or, you know, the, the changes that have come into place. And he was talking about how they've been collecting the data from the NATHERS assessments since 2016. So they've now got about a million new homes in, you know, in terms of seeing the star rating. And so I really like that the scorecard assessment data is also having to go through some kind of, you know, processing tool externally to the individual assessor, because I can imagine that then that data is being collected to see what is the existing housing stock, you know, really like in Australia, how is it really performing? And what then does government, does legislation, does the industry need to target uh, in terms of us making a dent on improving this and changing so that we can actually deal with the challenges in, you know, environment and those kinds of things. So I, I, you know, I love that there's sort of this individual approach for the homeowner to tackle it in their own home but then obviously um, the industry has wrapped their head around well holistically we need to understand how do we dramatically you know we've got so much existing building stock how do we actually improve it what opportunities are there because those things then kind of feed into when they do look at rebate schemes and they look at opportunities for funding and that kind of stuff that that you know and Michael was talking about how they, you know, in the process of looking at the changes to the National Construction Code, when they were preparing for them, they pulled out the data from, uh, I think it ended up being just under 300, no, it was, it was like 290,000 homes that had been built in that 2020 to 2021 period. And they ran them through the new modelling to see how how difficult it would have been or how hard it was going to impact them to be, then be able to see how they were going to transition us into the changes for the National Construction Code. So, you know, that data becomes really, really important. So I actually really love that you're having to do that because, you know, I can imagine I can imagine it's arduous though, but, but you know, helpful um, in that big picture sort of idea. Yes, absolutely. And so you're then setting those recommendations. You, you mentioned that you're tailoring, kind of increasing that, you know, whether it's insulation, which can be just an easy kind of low-hanging fruit, particularly in old homes where you stick your head up in the ceiling and it's literally like the bats have been moved around <laughs> because somebody's come to change a light thing and they've never bothered putting anything back. So, and and getting that sort of improved, that can make a really big, perfor- you know, performance difference. You know, what, how do you sort of support homeowners who want to sort of understand cost and, you know, what might be uh, cost prohibitive versus what might be easy for them? How do you sort of navigate that in your role as this scorecard assessor um, providing this information to clients? Yeah, so it is a bit tricky. There are situations I did an assessment recently and the house actually had one entire room that was connected to all of the living areas that was a glass ceiling. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Um, and it was a really tricky one. Um, you can't put insulation in a glass ceiling. <laughs> Not easily, anyway. Um, it was also cathedral ceilings, uh, exposed beams, no insulation in the, in the ceiling whatsoever, or walls or floor. Um, so it becomes so because of those high ceilings, it's very tricky to then add insulation in those ceilings. It's, it's, I mean, a lot of houses 
easily accessible, put in insulation, wonderful, you've got the solution right there, right? Um, this one was really tricky, so I ran a lot of variations on it um, just to see because he wanted to know, like, this is going to cost me a fortune to, I like my exposed beams, this is going to cost me a lot of money. Uh, if I want to try and insulate that. So, um, yeah, we did. We, I ran a lot of variations to see. And he had an old electric storage hot water heater. His appliances were not, um, you know, they were quite old, his heating and cooling appliances. So he just wanted to know, like, I, he sort of said, should I just put more PV on? Because that also is part of the scorecard. So we talked through it. I gave him a whole bunch of variations. We ran through you know each of those variations to see which one was going to be most effective for him so um, for him the appliances were probably number one ticket first right and then if he ever decides he doesn't like the exposed beams then maybe there's an opportunity there or if the roof ever has to come off there may be an opportunity so there's not always an easy solution in our existing housing stock um, we, we did talk about zoning off that glass roof room which he hadn't really realized was really what was impacting upon the rest of the house because you kind of you, you're just living somewhere you don't really know how it all feeds in together but it's probably a little easier as an energy assessor you walk in you go wow okay <laughs> there's our problem <laughs> so yeah um it, it's great working through all these difficulties and then you could go and i was in a house on monday and easy solutions you know very identifiable straight away and affordable and easy to yep. work with. So it's. Do you find that people are, are thinking, oh, I have to have all double glazed windows or I have to figure out how I'm going to get underfloor insulation in or get insulation into my walls? Like, do you find that people are sort of overestimating how dramatic changes might need to be to make an impact or, you know, how yeah. are you sort of seeing people navigate it? Yeah, I, I think the double glazing thing comes up a lot. Um, and obviously that's very, very expensive to retrofit if you're not doing a major renovation. So you're not sort of, you're only trying to retrofit for energy efficiency. That one is often off the cards really. Um, but you can get, in fact, there's some data from Sustainability Victoria that shows you if you do really heavy curtains with pelmets, it's the same impact as having double glazing but you have to remember to close them at night time. That's the biggest thing. We've all got beautiful windows. We love looking out and it gets dark and we forget that actually they need, they're naked. We need to cover them up so that heat doesn't keep going out in the middle of winter. Um, but by the same token, open them up in the, in the daytime to let the sunshine in when you can. So Yeah. And you mentioned too heat pump. Um, hot water units as well so do you find when you're suggesting that to people that they're concerned or they're they don't really understand what a heat pump hot water unit is or you know how how is that sort of conversation being received when you have that with with clients that you're discussing this with I no I don't I, usually um the people who are calling up to get an assessment are very well aware of sort of what's out there um, and they want the assessment to sort of confirm what the priorities would be. Um, I don't think even in mainstream, like I was speaking to a fellow from Australian Hot Water recently, and he was saying they're doing like 10 a week heat pumps. They're just getting, and he's just like the local rep. So I think there's rebates out there. there it's, you know, it makes sense. And it's such a dramatic 
uh, drop in your energy use. I don't think people really quite comprehend. And when they get the scorecard assessment, they do. Um, the percentage of, of your energy that's going to heating some water. So, I mean, yes, of course, we love having a beautiful hot showers, but the heat pump can do just the same thing. Yeah, let's do it more <laughs> and, efficiently. <laughs> and a lot, yes. So, yeah. And then you're looking at um, the efficiency on the heat pumps, of, you know, between four and six times the um, energy output compared to a, a regular electric storage where you're losing so one kilowatt in and you're, you know, back down at maybe 80, 70% out because um, you're losing that to the storage. So, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned that the PV or solar, you know, solar panels are included in the scorecard. So how does the scorecard sort of look at that, that information in regards to somebody having, you know, for example, we've got an old solar hot water unit on our roof. How does it sort of assess that kind of stuff when it's looking at it um, and also proposing potential, you know, improvements um, in the scorecard as well? Yeah, so it does take into account solar hot water, but also the PV. Um, in terms of PV, you get like a star rating that will show as your star rating without the PV. And then potentially if you've got enough PV and not and a reasonably performing house, you can get you know, up to eight stars anyway. Um, and and if you're if you've doing well with your PV you can get up to 10 where you're pushing back out into the grid because you're not using very much um, but it does divide it up so that you know how much your PV is contributing to your um, star rating so you can see uh, yeah there's still some things I can fix because PV is fantastic um, but the greenest kilowatt is the one that you don't use. So even if you've got... I love that, Mel. The greenest <laughs> kilowatt is the one that you don't use. That is that is a printable, that one. <laughs> yeah. So if you can push out, if you can make plenty, that's wonderful, but don't hoard it to yourself. Push it out there. Save more at home. Push it out there. Use it somebody else's house who doesn't necessarily um, have the ability to reduce their use. Oh, I love that. And are you finding, you know, in the housing stock that you're looking at, is there a pretty common kind of star rating like, or are you still seeing a big range because it's a different sort of uh, housing stock sort of age groups and different site conditions and those kinds of things? So the average star rating is three um, wow. across scorecard. Uh, and I think I mentioned it was, you know, originated in Victoria. So they've done a lot of assessments down there, the past 5,000 assessments. And that, that sort of average is coming from that. Um, so it's not comparable with Natas exactly. The stars are not the same. Um, the hot and cold weather rating compares more with the, the Natas star ratings. Um, but yes, I know, you know, from other research that the average housing stock, if you want to speak in Natas terms, is between one and three stars of existing housing stock, which, you know, um, I think we were talking about the fact that by 2050, we'll still have 7 million homes in Australia that haven't been subjected to the energy efficiency requirements under the NCC. So, you know, there's a lot of work to do in the existing housing stock. So fabulous that this tool allows us to make a real start on that. Fantastic. So now I'm wondering if we can talk about in your role as an energy efficiency assessor and potentially doing modeling on people's homes um, when they're doing projects, 
Are you seeing clients worried about the upcoming changes and the shift to seven stars in the National Construction Code? You know, and what suggestions do you have for homeowners that might be a bit concerned about how their project's going to achieve it? Um, no, I, I guess everybody sort of thinks that that's, you know, a year away. <laughs> um, but um, I, I like to try and remind people that this is like energy efficiency. This is a benefit to you. This is not like, okay, you might spend the money, and I know you hear this one touted about a lot, but it's worth coming back to is you get a Caesar stone, the Caesar stone bench top, right? Everybody just does it anyway, usually. They'll make the money for that. That's not going to give you a payback. Energy efficiency will. So you hear these arguments in the media saying, oh, we can't afford to go to seven stars. And I'm like, but it saves you money. It's one of the only things in the whole building of your house is going to save you money year on year for the entire age of that house. The Caesar Stone benchtop is not going to save you any money and probably will be replaced, you know, within 20 years for a refurb. I don't know. But energy efficiency is there for good. Um, there's some really simple things. Um, you, north facing living areas. Like the, the way I like when I'm modeling um, in Natters, I, I'm a bit strange in this way. I kind of picture myself in the house. That's not strange. <laughs> walking around. And, and to me, because I'm looking for warmth in the house or cools, um, I'm looking for where would I go and sit in this house to warm up on a cold winter's day where I can get sunshine. Now, if you're looking at your house and all you can see for a space to go and do that is a garage or a kitchen or a toilet, those are your only north facing, you've got the design wrong. So go back to the drawing board or flip it or do whatever you need to do. But we want our living areas so we can enjoy that space. I mean, I don't know about you, but I love having sunshine. Now, I know that not everybody has that access to the sunshine. You might have, you know, a three-storey house next door to you that's blocked it. That's what happened to my parents. Um, but there's other things that you can do. You can look at um, making sure that you've you've got good zoning in the house. So one of the common things that you see, particularly project homes, is that you'll see a beautiful open plan living area, which is wonderful. I love open plan. But it's completely interlinked with the whole of the upstairs. So if you put a heater on downstairs, that's that heats. I mean, that just makes sense, right? You, we know that heat rises, it's lost. So to even try and heat or cool that area, you're having to the a massive volume of the house. So try and think about your zoning. That doesn't cost anything. Um, and then you've got cross ventilation. So start thinking about your windows. Obviously, window types do play into it and Yes, double glazing will come into depending on your climate zone, but there's there's plenty of other things that you can do. Um, one of the this doesn't count into the seven stars, but it's something worth remembering, and that's roof design. So you can capture PV um, as well, so you can put your your PV cells up there so that they're at a good angle to to get good good PV, and and that you've got space to put the PV up there. So yeah, I don't know, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, there's some great tips there. And I think this is the thing, like it's not, it's um, you get, you know, you really do get 80% of the way there by designing 
with suitability for climate. So thinking about orientation, thinking about natural ventilation, thinking about how you maximize the value of the natural assets that you have, which feeds into a great feeling home anyway, and supports you easily achieving that seven star energy rating. I think a lot of people and the, the, you know, there's parts of the industry that are doing a very good job of putting out that it's going to be extra, you know, it's going to be more expensive because you're going to have to upgrade insulation and windows and all of those types of things. But, you know, that, I've seen houses in a lot of climates that are seven stars that just have the base standard insulation and they still have, you know, um, very standard conventional construction methodology and materials, uh, but they're well-oriented, they're well-designed for the climate and they've thought about things like orientation and thermal mass and those kinds of things. So I think when you do get into more sort of extreme climates like how cold Canberra and, you know, you know some of the alpine regions can get, then yes, you do need to think obviously about insulation and uh, wall wraps and being very particular about those kinds of things. Um, but for the large part, the core fundamentals of great design feed into this so significantly. And I think it's just... Um, what I get really excited about, you know, it's always been a big goal of Undercover Architect that every house is designed for its specific site um, so that we don't just get that plonk effect of, of houses being put on a site without any regard for how the sun moves. So I get really excited by what opportunity this presents for homeowners to learn more about that and understand it um, because there's so many cultures around the world where orientation and designing for orientation is just everybody knows about it. Um, but in Australia and in other parts of the world, it's just not part of our common understanding of how we design homes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the other thing is that don't feel like you have to do it alone. Like um, there's Natus Assessors out there. <laughs> I know that traditionally um, you would get a Natus Assessor through an architect or a building designer, but we're not that scary. <laughs> you, If you're building a home, and you, even if you're building a project home, if you want to contact a Natus Assessor, they will give you the advice so even if you can't change a lot of things, they can give you the advice on window specs, on insulation specs, so that you can build that into your design as well. Instead of just sort of leaving it up to them to decide, I think sometimes you need to take that, you know, it's it's your house. I think that you need to get that information for yourself so you're convinced instead of just being led by somebody else telling you this is what you must do. Because there's a lot of solutions out there that are no cost, um, that you know you should explore um, in, in terms of trying to reach that seven stars. I'm so glad you said that, Mel, because I'm such a big advocate for the energy efficiency assessor coming in during the design process. And it was really interesting in this presentation yesterday um, with Michael Ambrose and, and uh, the Australian Institute of Architects, they were talking about the fact that the software was designed to be used during the design phase, that it is it is designed to be uh, to be able to provide design feedback, that it it was it was intended to be this kind of iterative, exploratory sort of thing that would enable people to to test that their design is actually doing the best that it can under the conditions that it's in. And so, um, the fact that that a lot of energy assessors are left to that point of the building approval and they're externalised, even it's the builder that's kind of dealing with them and it's this tick and flick process and it's the deemed to satisfy. It just wastes the beautiful opportunity that their involvement can actually provide and their expertise can add. 
uh, in terms of seeing how you can hone all the things that you're already going to be spending money on to create a far better impact and outcome for your home. So, and for the lifestyle that you're going to lead. So yeah. And it's why I'm so excited because it's to get you on the podcast because um, you know, I hear more and more from homeowners that it's difficult to find energy assessors who want to work collaboratively, who want to, um, you know, there's are, there are energy assessors out there like every other part of the industry where people just want to kind of get their job done and step away and not have that collaborative relationship. And so to find, you know, somebody like you and sustainability certified, your business that, you know, really does love and embrace this idea of how we can be involved and how can we help advise and how can we help inform and educate to me is um, really, really exciting. And that's it for part one of my conversation with Mel. I do hope that you enjoyed learning more about Scorecard or as they're called, the residential scorecard assessments. I've got links in the resources uh, of this podcast in this area. So if you're in Australia and you want to find an accredited assessor near you, uh, then you can head to the resources and there's a link there to be able to find. There's a great list and it's growing all the time. And Mel's also got detailed information on her own website on Sustainability Certified, where you can see and learn more about what's involved in the scorecard assessment process. And by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 262, you'll get those links. Plus, you'll be able to access a free downloadable PDF transcript that you can save off to your own files um, and grab that and, you know, print it out, whatever you need to do. Now, be sure to tune in next time uh, for part two of my conversation with Mel. We're going to be talking more about NatHERS and passive house assessments, weighing them up, what she sees are the choices for homeowners who are trying to decide which method to pursue. She's got a really unique perspective, having certification, obviously, in both of those areas. We also talk about as-built verification or how you can actually set up your construction process so that you can ensure that you're getting what you're paying for in the sustainability measures and energy efficiency that you've invested in in the design phase. We also talk about her entry into the Zero Carbon Challenge home competition that Design Matters have recently run and her tips from what she's learned from working so closely with building designer Lockie McEwen from Harmonic Design in that entry. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Bye.